Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, January 21st, and we're here for our usually weekly update from the Missouri Funeral Directors and Embalmers Association. It is another cold day here in Jefferson City, and I, it's cold at most of the places that uh, I've talked to this morning. So everyone, please be sure to keep warm and keep safe. Uh, some updates of things that are going on. First off, uh, you may have noticed or heard that we had the COVID bug hit us here in Jefferson City at the office. On Tuesday, one of the uh, people who work here uh, found out that she had been exposed to COVID over the weekend. And just so happens, we have COVID tests here at our office. Uh, thought ahead and we had a couple here. So that person was able to isolate in their office, take a test, and sure enough, they were positive. So of course they went home. Uh, that was Tuesday, and uh, we had a law class scheduled for Wednesday, so we, of course, uh, rescheduled that class. Did not know if uh, I, I obviously had been exposed to her uh, most of the morning, and so there was no way of telling whether or not I had caught it and whether or not I was possibly contagious for anybody who showed up on the next day for the law class. So we had to postpone that. Now, the good news is I've tested myself uh, and I am negative still, and now it's been three days or so. We do have the law class rescheduled for next Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday, uh, we just bumped it back a week. And if everything goes fine, as it looks like it's going to, we'll be able to do that class. Of course, our office will be professionally sanitized. I don't know what profession is going to do it, but I'm, it'll be a professional, uh, some profession. Uh, we'll sanitize the office, and I will be taking uh, yet one more COVID test on Tuesday late. Uh, well, maybe not too late because we'll have to call people, but uh, I will take a, a test on Tuesday to make sure that I still am negative for COVID before we teach the test because no matter what we do, uh, you know, it's a it's not that big a room. And even though we keep the uh, number of people limited, the fact is we're all still in a room together. We will have, of course, have the air purifiers running, the HVA system running. Uh, we'll keep everything as safe as possible, no matter what. And that brings me to if you or somebody you know is coming to the law class either next week or in February, please do not come if you have any sickness symptoms at all. If you have the sniffles, if you have a cough, if you have a sore throat, if you have a headache, or if you've been around anybody that had any of those things in the last day or so, please let us know. Do not come to the class. We will reschedule you and give you priority uh, to the next class. And if it's necessary, because this happens a few times, we will add classes if we have uh, enough of these situations pop up. So that is the deal with that. Uh, also, as we put out last week, there's several places uh, you can try to get test kits from if you need them for your home or your office. The federal website that was supposed to go live on Wednesday actually went uh, secretly live on Tuesday. And you can order uh, several test kits for yourself or your, at your household. It does have to be a residential address. So you can't put in, you should not be able to, I don't know how it's going to work, but you should not be able to put in the uh, address of your funeral home to get the free test kits from the federal government. But everybody that works at your place can put in their home address and get a free test kits. 
Uh, I signed up. I'm having some sent to my house. Uh, also, I found out that uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield or Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, if you have one of the Blue Cross versions out there, they are also, uh, you can get on their website and order at least one test kit per day, I think it is, or something like that. Uh, you can check that out as well. The Also, as of last Saturday, going forward, theoretically, any test kit that you purchase, if you, have, if you go out to a Walgreens or a pharmacy or a CVS or something and you buy yourself a test kit, your insurance company is required to reimburse you for that. But it has not been easy for people. Just check out the web pages and Google this one. And some of these insurance companies have got forms that are worse than your uh, tax forms. Uh, three pages of stuff to fill out to get $17 reimbursed to you for a test kit or $20 reimbursed to you for a test kit. So the uh, insurance reimbursement for test kits, eh, that is not going uh, as smoothly, I don't think, as, as those as people thought that might have. So, uh, but if you do go out and purchase yourself a test kit, or anybody does, at least keep the receipts. Hold on to them for now. Maybe things will get a little easier in a little bit, but don't throw those receipts away. Last thing, the new news. Um, we talked about getting your uh, funeral home. Make sure you have an adequate supply of N95 or KN95 masks because there's going to be a run on them now that the CDC has said that that's really what everybody should have been wearing all along anyway. Well, yes, that has taken place. Uh, stores are running out of uh, the, the N95 masks. So the federal government announced that sometime, somehow, starting next week, every adult in the United States is supposed to be able to go into a pharmacy, a Walgreens, a CVS, Rite Aid, something like that, and get three free N95 masks out of the national strategic stockpile. How in the world that's going to work, nobody seems to know either. Uh, how do, you know, you, you go to a large city and there's, you know, five CVS and three Walgreens all in one block. So how do they know you're not going from one to the next one, the next one, the next one? Nobody seems to know that. They also say that starting out anyway, supply may be limited with the program not fully ramped up until February. But nevertheless, if you're if you're going to a, a Walgreens or a CVS anyway, or one's on, on the way to work next week, uh, wouldn't hurt to stop in, see if you can't pick up a couple, three uh, uh, free masks for yourself and uh, pass that along to everyone else. So we'll let you know, we'll let you know how that turns out when everything's going on. The next, uh, some more things that uh, actually have to do with you providing funeral service to your families is the death certificate situation. As we noted uh, earlier, we were not 100% positive how Vital Records was going to be dealing with drop to paper and doctors who refused to use the electronic system after January 1st. Well, we've gotten a few reports in from our funeral directors, not many, but a few. Uh, I'm sure you know that when you're on the Moever system, that option to drop the paper is no longer available to you. You can't do it. So what we thought was going to happen is apparently was what is what has happened from reports from people is that if you have a doctor who is for one reason or other refusing to sign it electronically, whether it is uh, 
they're not on the Moever system to begin with, or they're on the Moever system and they just say, I'm not going to use it. You can't make me. You need to call Vital Records. And we've gotten several reports where people have called Vital Records because the doctor wouldn't use the system. And Vital Records got on it right away and they got that doctor on the system. And so now they're electronic and they did it. That's great. We've also had a couple of reports where that hasn't happened, where Vital Records has not been able to get the doctor on that system. And so now it's been several weeks and the family still does not have a death certificate. We want, still want those reports, good and bad. We have a few, but I don't really have enough yet to take a nice big stack over to somebody and say, here is the problem that we have. I've got a couple, but if you're having a problem, we need more of those documented. And well, again, what I need is, uh, of course, your funeral home. I need the name of the deceased, the date that the deceased died, the date that you called vital records to tell them this doctor was not on the system. And then what the status of that, who you talk to, if you get the name of who you talk to at vital records, and then let us know what the status is. It's been two weeks. It's been three weeks. It's been eight days and still do not have the death certificate. We need all that information so that we, if this is going to be a significant problem, we can go and talk to them about it to see how to fix it. Now, of course, if you're having great luck with it too, I don't need all the particulars, but I want to hear that as well. Uh, we want to know the good and the bad with this system so that uh, if it's necessary, we can go to talk to people about it. Another thing that's been changed in the last month or so, and you may not have experienced this yet, is the inspectors. As the inspectors go out and inspect the funeral homes, now we're talking about the routine inspections that they are they've started up and are doing again. In the past, they always had a clipboard with a, a, a checklist on it. It was a two-page uh, checklist, and they checked off all the stuff they were supposed to look at. Uh, was there a sheet on the embalming room table? Yes or no. Were your pre need contracts sequentially numbered? Yes or no. Uh, you know, was there a lock on the embalming room door? You know, all. All that stuff that they inspected was on a sheet of paper. And the normal procedure for most times is after the inspector was done, filled out that sheet, they would let you uh, make a photocopy of that when they left. And that was great because very often these inspectors show up and the owner of the funeral home might not be there. The funeral director in charge might not be there. The person who's responsible for making sure that all this stuff is dealt with might not be there when the inspector's there. Also, even if that person is there, it's good to have a record of what that inspector found before the inspector gets back to Jefferson City. So that you know that if you get a letter from Jefferson City, that it matches up to what that inspector actually said they did or did not see. Well, the problem is, is they're going electronic like the rest of the world. And so now instead of having this nice little piece of paper, the inspectors have got an iPad and they're doing this all beep, beep, beep do it on iPad. Now I can see how that might be more efficient for the state of Missouri, but the problem was you didn't get the photocopy to keep because they left with their iPad. And so you might remember what they told you. Maybe they showed you the iPad, but you didn't have any kind of record to show the owner, to show the funeral director in charge, your supervisor, or to keep track of all that. Well, we had a couple people talk to me about that. So I went and talked to the new executive director of the state board. I told her that we had some funeral homes that were uh, concerned about this. And uh, is there any way that we can somehow get 
a record of what's on that iPad to the funeral home right away uh, so that they know what it was this inspector did or did not find. And uh, I talked to her on, uh, you know, I, on a, like a Monday about that. And on a Tuesday, she got right back to me and said, yes, uh, that made sense. Uh, so what they're going to do is at least uh, this is what I was told was going to happen. So you let me know if it is or isn't. But what I was told was that the inspector will be able to email you a copy of what's on their iPad right away so that even before they get back to Jefferson City, you will have a record of what it is that that funeral, what that inspector found or did not find at your funeral home. And uh that's probably not as convenient or not as easy as just being able to run over to the photocopy machine and do it, but it's better than nothing. So at least they uh, they responded to our concerns about that. Thank you very much over there for doing that. But let me know if it's working. Let me know if the inspectors are doing that, because if they're not doing that, uh, I need to tell uh, the folks over at the state board that it's not happening because they told me that it would. So let me know about that. Okay, the last thing I want to cover is to make sure you have your calendars marked for the Tri-State Convention. As most of you hopefully know, once every three years, we do our annual convention in conjunction with Kansas and Nebraska. And that's always in Overland Park, Kansas, just across the border, south of Kansas City. It's always a wonderful time. Of course, we have lots and lots of vendors. We have incredible programs. And of course, you get to meet with funeral directors from not just Missouri, but from Kansas, Nebraska as well. And because it's a tri-state convention and we have more people, we, we uh, historically get a lot more vendors and we get uh, a, lot more spe a lot more speakers and more classes. And because even though Missouri does not have continuing education for funeral directors and bombers, Kansas and Nebraska do. So they have to have a plenty of programs for them to get all their CE credits. And you get to take advantage of that. Uh, even though it's not required, you get to be able to learn some good stuff. We also are going to have some uh, great uh, uh, social, social events. There will be a golf tournament. I said mark the dates, but I didn't tell you the dates. May 1st through 4th. Mark it down, May 1st through 4th. That starts, that's the very first Sunday of May. There will be a golf tournament on that Sunday. There's going to be a social event that evening. Uh, there will, of course, be dinners and uh, receptions and all that good stuff. There'll be the exhibit floor, and there'll be all the programs and learning opportunities and chances for networking and all that good stuff there. So mark your calendars. The, uh, the registration materials will be coming out shortly. So look for that. And if you're a vendor out there, the vendor packets have gone out. So if you haven't gotten your vendor packet uh, in the next week or so, and you, you want, you know, just to check on our website or Kansas, Nebraska, I think we all have links to everything. Or of course, you can give us a call here at the office and we will hook you up because we sure want you to be there. Well, that's all we have for today. Uh, this is a short one because I am running right over as soon as I'm done here to Vital Records uh, to work on some death certificates for some of our funeral homes. Once again, if you have an emergency, if you have a death certificate uh, correction that needs to be done and it's an emergency situation, okay, you got to tell me what that emergency is. You need to sell, put in your letter, the letter that authorizes me to do the death correction for you, put in there what the problem is. The family is, uh, you know, 
can't pay their bills because they can't access the bank account. The, you know, the body can't be transferred out of state because the name on the death certificate's wrong. Whatever it is, put in the letter if it's an emergency, because I really, we, we, I can only do one of these a day and it takes me about a week to get an appointment to do them. So if you got me today a death certificate correction affidavit and you said it was an emergency, I would not be able to get an appointment for that, probably not next week, probably the week after that. So it's going to be, you know, seven days, maybe a little more before I can even get in there to do that. And if I have two or three in front of you, you're going to have to wait till those get done because they all will only let me do one of those a day. Uh, so, and I'm already booked up, I think Monday, Tuesday, next week, I've got two emergencies and of course one today. So, uh, get those in as soon as you know there's a problem, but only do it if it really, really is a problem. And it's not going to be done today or the day after, but that's still better than waiting eight or 10 weeks, which is what, uh, if you mail that correction in, is what it's going to take for you as well. And also remember something to super watch out for, because we've run into this a couple, three times just this past week. If you're changing the name of the decedent, specifically the last name, by more than three letters, we can't do it. You're going to have to get a court order for that. Uh, sometimes if it was just a, a, a mistake where you transpose the middle and last name, sometimes we can get them to say it's okay. We'll let you, we'll let you do that. But if, if, it's a, if you've done, if it's three letters, more than two letters, if it's three letters or more in the last name, uh, especially, and you're changing it, or if it changes the pronunciation of the name, they're going to say you need a court order. So uh, we've had a couple of people where that's where it really be a bad situation for them. Uh, so especially on the name of the decedent, especially on the name of the decedent, double, triple, quadruple check before you file that original death certificate, because unlike most of the other stuff that's on the death certificate, even the social security number, we can fix that. Date of death, we can fix that. We can't fix the name of the decedent if too many letters are being changed or if the pronunciation of the name is being changed. Uh, and that requires a court order and that's a big headache, especially depending on where you are and what your court system is locally like. So check that one out. Be double, triple, quadruple safe about that. And speaking of being safe, stay warm this weekend. And like I always tell you, be safe.